0: Healing at the pool. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. There are a great number of disabled people who used to lie there the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well.
1: Amen. Pastor Marshall Hayden wrote an article several years ago entitled, Would Every Non Herder Please Stand Up? He wanted to point out that in every seat, in every pew, in every church, there are hurting people. Of course, they come in their best clothes, with their best smiles, so that we'll believe everything is okay. And so then when we read about this scene at the pool at Bethesda, it makes us uncomfortable. Crowds of sick people. Lame, blind, crippled. Row after row of wounded, hurting people. Our world hasn't changed much. It's still full of pain. It's still full of hurt. It's still... Full of trouble and sorrow. The only difference is we dress it up better. In churches across the globe, there are rows and rows of wounded, sick, and hurting people. Hurting people in need of comfort. Troubled people in need of peace. Sick people needing healing. People that are crippled financially. People that are crippled by physical and sexual abuse. Families that are crippled by arguments and fighting. People that are crippled by alcohol and drug abuse. People in desperate need of hope. Some of us are crippled, and we don't even know it because we've gotten so good at hiding it from everybody. We've started hiding it from ourselves. But God loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us there, crippled in our hurt, crippled with our brokenness. And so what did he do? He sent Jesus. And then when Jesus shows up, so does mercy, so does grace, and so does truth. And when Jesus shows up, we have to decide what we're going to do. When Jesus shows up to this lame man, this man who hasn't walked for 38 years, He asks him one question Would you like to get well? The answer seems kind of obvious. He hasn't moved for 38 years. Why ask a question with such an obvious answer? You know, it kind of reminds me of the same questions I would ask my kids when they were younger and they did something they weren't supposed to do Do you want to be grounded? Did you want me to take your phone away? Obvious answers, right? But you see, those questions are to get us to think. They're designed to check ourselves. What's our motivation? What kind of choices are we making? It makes us decide what we really want because some of us we get on we get really comfortable in our crippledness. Yeah, I like the Peanuts cartoons. I like Charlie Brown and Snoopy and there was one comic strip where Lucy announces in the first box of the comic strip. She says, "Why do I feel crap? You know what? I just feel crabby today." And her little brother, Linus, he's, he's quick to come to her rescue. He says, maybe I can help you. Why don't you just take my place in this chair here in front of the TV? while I go fix you a nice snack. And so he leaves, and he goes into the kitchen. He comes back with a sandwich. He comes back with some cookies. And he comes back with some milk. And he says, now, is there anything else that you need? Is there anything else that I haven't thought of? And she looks at him, and she says, Yes, there's one thing that you have not thought of. And then she screams in his direction, I don't want to feel better. Lucy exemplifies a characteristic that we see in a lot of people, including ourselves. We don't really want to change. We don't really want to get better. Some of us would prefer to stay broken. Some of us would prefer to be crippled than to change because change is difficult. Change is different. We don't like different, we like comfortable even if it's uncomfortable. We find comfort in our uncomfortableness. Doesn't that sound crazy? But it's true. I have a young man I talk to quite often. And he'll call me and he'll complain about one thing. And every time I give him the same advice, I said, well, are you ready to change? No. Well, if you're not ready to change, why are you calling me? Because I give you this. I know, but I like your advice. I like to hear your advice. Well, but if you're not going to do it, because just hearing your advice is is a comfort. But if you're not going to change, why are we having this conversation? Well, someday I might change. Do we want to get well? It's a simple question. When Jesus asks this man, Do you want to get well? We would think he would come back with a resounding, Yes, yes, I do, I do. That's not how he responds. I can't, sir, is how he responds. And then he follows up with some excuses. As we look at that question posed by Jesus, what do we really want? Because we need to deal with the reality of our circumstances. We need to deal with the reality of our choices. And in most of our cases, our can't is really more of an I won't. I can't get along with my spouse. She's impossible. He's impossible. How about we rephrase that? I won't get along with my spouse. We say, I can't get a hold of my bitterness or my anger. Let's replace that can't with won't. I won't get a hold of my bitterness and anger. I can't forgive them. No, you won't forgive them. I can't overcome this addiction. No, you won't overcome that addiction. I can't get past my negative attitude. No, you won't get past your negative attitude. I can't stop wanting to be in control of everything around me. No, you won't stop trying to be in control of the things around you. You see, when we change our can'ts to won'ts, we can actually start facing the reality before us. That's the challenge of Jesus' question to the lame man and to every one of us. We need to decide what we really want. We need to learn to say the way Apostle Paul did in Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Because our can'ts are really won'ts. When we're following Jesus, our can'ts are won'ts. They're excuses. The second part of that lame man's response was all about blaming everyone else. I have no one to put me into the pool, he said. And when the water bubbles up, someone always gets there before me. He's focused on getting into the pool. Because the people believed that when the water was stirred, that meant an angel was coming from heaven. And the first one to get into the water in that moment of stirring would be healed. And so everyone was trying to get in there first. But he blames others for the inability to get in the water. Remember, 38 years he's been there. 38 years have gone by, but it's everyone else's fault that he cannot get into the water. Did not one single person offer to help him get in the water? After 38 years, did he not ask just one person, Sir, could you help me get in the water? You see, it's much easier to blame others for our problems than to take responsibility for our own crippling attitudes, for our own crippling behaviors. Look at Adam and Eve in the garden. When God finds out what they did and he comes to them, addresses them, what does Adam say? That woman, that woman that you, Lord, put here with me, she made me eat it. She gave it to me. And then what does Eve do? She passes the buck too. Oh, it was that serpent, that serpent in the garden that you made. He deceived me, and I ate it. We do the same thing. We say, I would do that, but. Well, I could do that, but. And we follow up with an excuse that blames someone or something else. We have a hard time admitting fault. We blame our DNA. We blame our environment. We blame our circumstances. But we need to accept our responsibility for our attitudes in our behaviors. Nobody's forcing us to be sad or grumpy. That's a choice we make. Nobody forces us to not do something. That's our choice. When I sleep in on a Sunday and not come to church, whose choice is that? Oh, well, you have church at 9 a.m. Do you know how early that is? blaming others take responsibility for your choices for your attitudes for your behaviors when we're ready to do that jesus stands there with an invitation you know it's interesting the man is is sitting here by this pool and he's so focused on that pool for his healing If only the people would bring me into the water. If only I could get to the water, I would be better. We do that too. We pursue ways to fix our own brokenness. We buy ourselves nice things. That will help me feel better. I deserve this. We read self-help books from all the latest Pop psychologists, this will help me. This will help me. We drown our pain in alcohol and in drugs. Or we excuse our bitterness and negativity away as, that's just the way I am. God made me that way. No, he didn't. He did not make you bitter. That is not a characteristic of a Christ follower in this book. But that's what we do. We look everywhere except to the one who came to fix our brokenness. Jesus. Jesus stands there asking, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And he's waiting for you to answer. So we need to do something in response to that invitation. And so he tells the lame man, he says, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. This man hasn't moved for 38 years. Not only was he crippled physically, but I imagine he was crippled by fear. He was crippled mentally and spiritually, having no hope left. Yet standing before him was hope. He had a decision to make, though, Is he ready to be changed? Is he ready to be different? Or is he comfortable in his brokenness, in his crippled self? So he decides. He stands up. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. As I was studying this and I was reading through this over and over, and all I could think of was Uncle Joe from the Willy Wonka movie. He was in bed for 20 years, and suddenly Charlie comes back home with the golden ticket. They're going to go into the chocolate factory. No one's ever been in there. And he brings it to Uncle Joe, Grandpa Joe, and he sees the ticket, and he tries to stand up, he falls down. He tries to stand up and he falls down. He tries to get up again and he falls down over and over and over. Eventually he starts dancing. But here's our lame man. 38 years he hasn't moved. He gets up and walks. That's the power of Jesus. The power of the hope that Jesus has for us. Jesus makes it clear that he was the answer. Notice what the man really wanted was to get in the pool. You know, Jesus could have said, okay, let's go, picked him up and brought him to the pool. But that would have been the lame man fixing his own problem. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus heals him. He doesn't fix the problem. He fixes the lame man. That's what he does. He comes in and he fixes us. Not our problems. The lame man's hope should not have been in the pool. It should not have been in the water. It should not have been in the religious laws of the time. His hope was in Jesus and only Jesus. He made the whole again. He made him whole. By the grace of God, he became whole. And he picks up his mat and he starts walking. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Only if you want to get well. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be whole? Are you ready for a change? Or has fear crippled you? I've shared with you before about my brain cancer and, and some of the stuff that had happened to me through that. One of the things that had a major impact on me was that I wasn't able to drive for eight years. Eight years is a long time when you have four children. As I was going through it, I saw it as, as a blessing because I, I was not the mom that was running from here and there and there and there and there because I couldn't because I couldn't drive. So I was blessed with time at home with my kids. But then what started to happen is that started to become my comfort. Well, I can't drive. It became my excuse for things. Oh well, I can't drive. Sorry, can't, can't go. Until the one day my seizures had stopped enough that I could drive. But at that point, eight years of not getting in the car, fear settled in. Well, what if I don't remember? What if I can't do this? What if I can't drive correctly correctly? What if I, And Jay would say, well, let's go in the car together. No, I'm not going in the car with you for me driving the first time after eight years. No, my pride was in, in, in a bit of an itchy spot there. Because fear was holding me. I was crippled by fear. But then one morning, God said to me, get in the car. I said, I don't want to get in the car. I'm afraid. And he said, get in the car. It's now or never. Get in the car. Stand up. Pick up your mat and walk to the car. Okay. I don't know how I got to the car. Jesus got me to the car. And I started the car. I said, okay, I remember that. And I started to pull out of the driveway. And I was shaking like a leaf. I will tell you, I was terrified. And I was driving to church. I said, where else should I drive? But to church. And so I get back, I get out of my subdivision, I get on the main road, and I, all right, let's turn on the radio. Let's, and you know what song came on? Overcomer by Mandisa. And I was listening to that song, and I cried all the way to church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I couldn't do it on my own. I was crippled by my own fear. I couldn't get past it. Jesus got me past it, but I had to still choose. Did I want to get well? Or was I comfortable in my fear? We're all broken. We're all crippled people living in a broken world just like the rows and rows of hurting people at the Bethesda pool. We're hoping in something or someone to help us, to fix us. We tend to look at the stories in this book as just that. Oh, they're just stories. And we miss the big picture. Paul wrote to the Romans in 15.4, Such things were written in Scripture long ago to teach us. And the Scripture gives us hope. It gives us encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. You see, these stories, they're historic moments in which a real God met real pain. So that that would answer our question, Where's God when I hurt? He's right here. He's right there waiting. The God who spoke still speaks. The God who forgave, he still forgives. The God who brought healing to the broken still heals today. These stories are not just for us to look back at what Jesus did, but to move forward with him in faith. We just need to stop asking God to fix our problems. Lord, fix me. Lord, fix me. Because when you fix me, the problems will take care of themselves. Lord, I need you to fix me. I'm broken. We came in here this morning, some of us hurting, some of us broken, and some of us crippled. But no matter what is crippling you today, no matter what is hurting or troubling you, Jesus is asking, do you want to get well? No matter what, do you want to get well? Jesus is knocking on your heart, saying, do you want to get well? Do you? Are you ready to be different? Are you ready to be changed? Are you ready to be whole? That's what Jesus offers us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the stories in the Bible that point to Jesus, point to his mercy, point to the truth in the word. Father, It's not just about the acts that you've done. It's about what you want to do in our lives. It's what you want to do in us, in our hearts. Jesus came to make us whole. Spiritually, mentally, physically. We can only do that when we answer the question, do we want to get well? As we leave this place, Lord, I pray that we we don't tarry in answering that question. May that question stay with us. May it convict us. I pray for those in this room that are struggling, whether they want to get well or whether they would prefer to be comfortable in their brokenness. Father, we pray for those that need you the most, that haven't found you yet.